0: So let's get down to business with another episode of Start Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCorsi, here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. So if you have a business, if you really do anything online, offline, anywhere, then there's data that comes along with that. Data is such a hot topic these days. According to some people, it's the most valuable thing on the planet right now. One thing I do know is if you don't do anything with it, it isn't worth squat. That's what we're going to talk about today. And before I introduce today's guest, a quick reminder that today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult and Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has the platform to help you manage that team. Visit Fullscale.io to learn more. With me today is Roger And Roger is the co-founder and CTO of Data Appraisal. You can go to dataappraisal.ai and I don't want you to try to figure out how to spell appraisal appraisal in your browser. So the easiest thing to do is scroll on down and click that link in the show notes. You can learn all about what they do straight out of my hometown of Kansas City. Roger, welcome to Startup Hustle.
1: Hey, Matt, thank you for the opportunity. Happy to be here today. And I'm, I'm looking forward to this conversation.
0: It's, uh, it's uh, you know, data's everywhere and we're going to get into that. Now, before we talk about any of that, how about a little bit about your backstory, uh, both as a founder and well, I don't know what brought you here to us today, Roger
1: yeah so you know I'm an uh, electrical engineer by education and experience, and you know I joined my uh, co-founder and CEO partner, uh, Tam Tran, because we wanted to solve a problem by helping companies appraise their data and then turn around and monetize that. so really solving a problem that no one else has a solution for right now.
0: Now we first uh, met you because you were you participated in the the launch kC program here in town. And uh, many people may have seen you through our social, you are one of our famous participants from our elevator pitch video, because we'll have people by to help them give a pitch and then make you give your elevator pitch in an actual elevator. So if you saw that, Roger was in that. And if you haven't seen it, go find it. It's everywhere. Yeah. Was that a surprise that day?
1: Uh, It was a surprise, but you know, some good coaching was able to deliver a solid pitch there. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you.
0: I think we did all right with that. That was that was fun. You know, that was uh for those of you that aren't aware, if you well, if you listen to the show regularly, you're probably familiar with Launch KC. You can go to launchkc.org and that's a, a division of the Kansas City Economic Development Corporation, KCEDC. Anybody that can say that five times in a row without messing it up wins a prize here. So it's kind of hard. But maybe we could actually start there because um with that, with that program, you were Accelerated per se um, into getting your business started, and you have kind of a uh, well. Maybe we could go into your elevator pitch because you gave that in front of a whole lot of people, including our, our mayor, oh. who was very impressed with all of the participants that night.
1: Oh, so the elevator pitch? Well, I mean, sure, sure, I mean, sure. Yeah. yeah. So the elevator pitch is: um, Did you know that you're sitting on a gold mine right now? Over the course of the last couple of years. We've collected more data than the entire previous history of mankind. Hi, my name is Roger No and uh, co-founder and CTO of Data Appraisal, and we help you appraise your data, turn around and monetize that, and share that with other people. So there's a lot of opportunities out there to share this data for the good. Uh, we're focusing right now on the healthcare marketplace, healthcare data. And that's going to help pharmaceutical companies help come up with solutions to different medical needs out there. Beautiful. And you made that all, and you, and you
0: have Roger's raising his eyebrows at me a little bit. So <laughs> there's nothing better than coming by the full scale and start a hustle office where we can put you on the spot. But, you know, as I mentioned in the intro, Roger, you know, data is such a hot topic and it's everywhere. And we even talked about this a little bit when you guys, you were here with a couple other entrepreneurs. Uh, getting ready to to talk to a room full of people about what you do, but um, I mean the the premise of data appraisals is that businesses don't monetize their own data. I, I mean, what what's what's that's the
1: problem we're trying to solve, right? Yeah. So the example I always use is you know consider that you're a widget manufacturer and you're really good at making the widgets, but that you know that's what you focus on and you're collecting data about that all like during the duration of that manufacturing process. Um, And that's the core business and the core strength. What we wanna do is we want to assist that company in monetizing that data that they're just sitting on that gold mine. So uh, I mean, companies have limited opportunities for revenue. And here's an opportunity to expand that and let data appraisal work that whole customer journey for you. We'll get together with you We'll show you the value proposition. We'll walk you through um, our appraisal process, and then we'll turn around and we'll find customers for your data and bring in that 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 residual revenue, right? Let your data work for you in addition to um, what you normally use it for, for internal process improvements.
0: So when we say data, I think there's going to be a lot of people that are listening that are going to, oh yeah, I get that. And then some people are like, well, what do you mean? So like, what are some examples of basic data that uh, you use the widgets example, which reminds me of the last business school that I dropped out of? Yeah, I did. <laughs> it was always Acme Corp makes widgets. You yeah. know, that was like a very familiar thing. But, you know, part of some of in school, that example would have been like, there's there's person A, B, and C that works in the factory and they earned it's managerial accounting, which I was terrible at because... Person A, B, and C, all made dif- they all made different pay rates, and they all produced at a different velocity. And with that, it trickled down to all being different costs of manufacturing. And then in some cases, you would find that this use case would be that employee C, who was highly paid and also highly underproductive, actually wasn't even profitable to keep around. And that would be like an internal data, but I think some of the stuff that you're talking about is more about data that you collect about users or someone else and like, what are some examples there?
1: Yeah, so uh, let me use the example with a current customer that we have that kind of kicked off this whole journey. So we, we have a customer that spent over $80 million on marketing efforts and they do that to market the products that they're selling. However, they don't realize that that data is very valuable to other companies and businesses. So, you know, part of our appraisal process is to take a look at the customers that they have or the members in their system, and then to create um, a profile and add a valuation for that customer. And it's based on multiple factors, right? So how, how much is this person spending? Um, You know, how much money are they spending over what time period are they spending that? So would, you know, when you do that, that that marketing data is very valuable to someone else, and if we can pinpoint and put a number on it, because this customer doesn't know what their um, what their data is worth these eighty thousand customers or clients that they have, they don't understand that, and so we want to help them be able to sell that to others.
0: Okay. All right. So I mean, at your business, it's your it's your your job and your duty to pull the most useful revenue or whatever out of it. I mean, is is it true that everyone's everyone's business has data that has a value to it?
1: Everyone's business has some type of value, but um, overall their data has value, but not every piece of it does. And that's where we step in. We help you say, hey, this data is valuable. This is one of your strengths, right? This data is not valuable. Maybe you should stop collecting it. So, we help provide that overall assessment other than just saying this is what is valued. Here are your strengths, your weaknesses. Here are some opportunities that you can leverage. Is the most valuable part of that data the stuff that's related to buying activities? Uh, it depends on who the customer is, right? So, if it's going to be used for a retail effort or marketing, it could be for buying right. activities. But if it's for um, clinical data that pharmaceutical companies could use to come up with medication, yeah. So, you know, that's, that's, that's a different vertical. Do the
0: do? I would imagine that it, it, from what you guys do, it's challenging to have such a broad and well-rounded level of expertise. Do you have to work specifically with the clients to kind of figure out like what actually matters at that business and what doesn't? Is that is that a whole is that a part of the process too?
1: Yeah, it is, Matt. So what we've been doing is we've been focusing more on the healthcare vertical. So Initially, we we're looking at retail, finance, and healthcare, but you probably, I probably just described about 80% of you know businesses out there. So we decided to focus on healthcare. And even within healthcare, there's multiple EHR, electronic health record systems, mm-hmm. and they're all different. And each hospital may use different fields. So it's really complex, but we've got a methodology in place where we look at the most important data sets and value and tables and that piece of information. So the thing, I, and I'm not going to pretend to be a data scientist.
0: I know enough to maybe be dangerous, but I've learned that you you have structured and unstructured data and unstructured data. So if you have a web, if you have a software, you know, web app or something like that, you probably, well, whether you know it or not, you probably have a ton of information in a database somewhere. And sometimes that's structured and sometimes it isn't. And When I say structured data would be the equivalent of looking at like a clean spreadsheet that had uh, peaceful columns and rows that made sense, where unstructured data is a jumbled mess until it's structured. Uh, do you do you help the companies also kind of get their shit together when it comes to <laughs> like, like, hey, this is a rat's nest of stuff. We're going to need to untangle it, or like, I, mean, I would imagine a lot of people's data is a mess.
1: Yeah. So we look at both of them at, you know, you mentioned that the structured data is clean and good looking. Well, you know, I would say that's not always the case either. So yeah. it's it's more organized, but not necessarily clean. And so, you know, we can provide suggestions and help with that also. But we also take a look at uh, unstructured data as well. So we've got plans in place to go evaluate, uh, you know, audio recordings and other natural language uh, processing. Um, so looking through semi-structured and unstructured data to really understand the sentiment of, let's say doctor's notes, right? And pull out keywords like cancer and you know, different prescriptions. Well, that's, so NLP,
0: natural language processing is is a big thing with AI. And, and, and you look at the, the sentiment analysis. So what does that mean? So let's using your, your, your. Those are three different yours right? And they have three different meanings. And, you know, so how do you, you know, training the computer to understand what the hell any of that means is is a challenge. And, you know, chat GPT comes out several months ago and, and everyone's all, you know, I feel like that is going to open this floodgate of AI stuff that is, is interesting. Now that AI that everyone's in love with or afraid of all runs off of data, And, you know, I'm looking at, uh, I'm at dataappraisal.ai right now. And, you know, I'm looking at your process and it talks about connecting, connect data sources. Step one. I mean, that's got to be a challenge, man, because there's, everyone's got a different thing and a different programming language. And, you know, there's, you can go out and Google the top 50 programming languages and there's 50 of them. There's more than that. And they're all going to connect a different way. And like, what's the hardest part about just the, just the simple connection?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it can be complex and, you know, we're trying to accommodate the user. So, you know, we've connected with one uh, healthcare uh, system and, you know, they're very specific in the requirements doing a site to site VPN. So we had to get uh, our house in order there and make that connection, make sure that it's secure because we're dealing with HIPAA type information. So uh, and and that's what we're working to understand and execute as well. But yeah, so there's uh, so many different data sources, different databases, different types of databases. It could be in the Excel spreadsheet, a CSV. So, so, you know, so many options out there.
0: And and then you'll pull it from one place and it's a different structure than the other place. So now you got to probably figure out how to... The headers don't always match people. I think that's probably the 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 main thing. And, you know, and then, all right. So, you know, step two here is you have enhance and enrich. Let's talk a little bit about that. So like, how do you enhance data?
1: Yeah. So, you know, we'll, we'll provide suggestions to the data provider or the person that's looking to get their data appraised, what type of opportunities there would be to enrich their data. So to make it more valuable. So sometimes when you look at data, uh, this, this part A is valuable. Part B is valuable, but if you put part A and part B together, it makes it even more valuable. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're trying to um, share, right? So if you've got some address fields that are there, but it's not complete, well, that means that whoever the buyer of the data is has to transform that data or fill in the blanks. So we can help complete the data and make it more succinct, clear, robust, and, and, and make it more marketable from that perspective. So I went
0: I did an experiment at full scale uh, a few years ago and honestly put it down because it was a lot to keep up with. But for us, you know we're trying to help people find software developers, and with that, there's this massive sea of places that we could do business with. And so that that side of things, so you say, where do you get your leads from? Well, a good source for us is looking at people that are posting jobs for software developers until you go out and you collect that data for over a year and you realize there was 85,000 different companies that placed a job for a software developer and and it was actually closer to 18 months and then there was five or six different places where they would post these jobs they all had different fields they all had different they all had different descriptions so, and then you try to structure it and it looks like a checkerboard you know meaning like blank spaces compared to ones that are filled and then you know all I'm trying to do is look at 85,000 companies and I can't contact 85,000 com- I could I could send out spam that's not effective. It's not, I could send a, a, an email a cold email to 85,000 people and probably largely get ignored by all of them because that doesn't work. Right? So we're sitting there trying to figure out how do we get down to the a manageable amount? And the problem we had was that incomplete data, because when it comes from one and, and you know, the act of filling that in, coupled with the amount of new data that keeps coming in, well, that's why we, that's why we paused the experiment, Mm because it was, it was overwhelming. And Mm -hmm. so, is the, so we needed to enrich and enhance our data a little better. And that's, I mean, that really is why we stopped doing that. And, you know, some of that was also, then how do I rank them? We wrote algorithms and different things like that. But the hardest part that I had was making it actionable. I think the thing I've learned most about data is that if it doesn't produce an actionable something, it's just
1: data. Yeah. You're just looking at data. just staring at it. It's, yeah, but it's got to tell you what to do with it.
0: Right. So how, how, how does a business solve that problem? Um, so how did they make it actionable? So that's a broad question, but, yeah. but it is, but I mean,
1: I, I gotta pick it, pick a case or something and like, yeah. Yeah. So I think that goes back to where we help enrich the data. And so part of what we do also is we'll go through and we have a quality indicator for some of the data and we'll evaluate whether or not we think that it's real or it's fake. Right. Cause a lot of times people are collecting data. They're just putting in random information. Yeah. It could be phone number is 5555. Well, that's eight, six, seven, five, three, Oh nine. Right. That's obviously yeah. fake. And maybe that record is worth nothing. Right. And so if you can pare down the data to, you know, the top 20% and focus your energy there, you, that's where you may get about 80% of your value, right. Through the, you know, Pareto analysis. So, yeah. uh, so, so we help our customers with that. So if we can, um, we do more than just value the entire data set. We actually look at individual customers and rows um, and and records, right? And so that provides some type of indication into the value of that. And so customers can focus their, you know, their their efforts on that as opposed to everything. I feel
0: like so many business owners are in that, kind of, and I'm guilty of this too, at FullScale.io. And once again, today's episode, Startup Hustle is powered by FullScale.io. We love talking to Startup Hustle listeners. So reach out. We've got a lot of solutions. I'll tell you what, you'll at least get some good advice. And we specialize on that with every call. Go to FullScale.io, click that button that says Hire Developers. And, and with that, that's where we begin to collect our data. And we used to have this like big, long sequence you got it down. It's like less than two minutes because I don't need to know a whole lot about you to pair you up with people that have the skills that you need. But that that kind of gut instinct of not. I don't I don't really know a lot of the data because I haven't really analyzed it effectively yet. But I'll give you an example. So someone that fills out that form that does it with a Gmail I can tell you right now that they are incredibly unlikely to become a client of ours because if you're using a Gmail and you don't even have a web domain or anything like that, you're not really ready for what we do because we help companies scale a development team which means you should probably have a company first. So, we actually will like downgrade those leads. Like they're actually go into a completely separate path an outcome because and and we have yet to prove that wrong. I think we've had maybe one out of our 50 clients used to Gmail to sign up at. So, cause they're just not, like I said, they're not really ready, but I couldn't tell you the percentage of either way. And, you know, now in, in your next step in here, you talk about training and predicting, you know, AI, ML, I mean, are
1: you using both? Yeah. Some so, form of it? Yep. Yep. So we're using machine learning and we're doing, we're, we're doing a combination of predictive algorithms, um, to, to, uh, to look at our data. So, I mean, kind of similar to what you, uh, you're doing, Matt, with the Gmail counts. that's, that's knowledge that you knew. And then that's how you so can predict like the rate of success. That yeah. Well, that's yeah. a good feeling, but it's based on it's your knowledge, but then you can insert that. It, you have advanced knowledge that the machine learning algorithm didn't, but it, it, I mean, it would understand over time that, Hey, Matt went to all these Gmail leads and there was no result. Yeah. But if you go to a company lead, then it's good. So that's where it can make recommendations based on, here. look at all the companies. But you already knew that, right? But well, I, there are I, other I knew that, that from
0: experience wouldn't. and I'm not even sure we have a big enough sample size to get into AI and ML, you know, like, cause as much as I'd love to tell you that thousands of people are filling out that form, they're not, you know, and some of that is, well, some of, I think on some of the forms, I think a lot of business owners try to collect too much data, which usually ends up in not collecting any at all. Because people get freaked out they're like why are there 30 fields here? you know so try to keep that simple and then i don't know the thing i the with ai and ml i mean it usually doesn't operate on small sample spaces very well right it, yeah it, 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 ai and ml have an insatiable appetite for comparisons yep yeah so usually the
1: more training data the better
0: we have a there's a, a guy that's a company called bellwether that Matt Moody has been on the podcast a couple of times and they, they have a very specific niche and they work with uh, looking at um, it, trying to retain, help, help their clients retain their users. And that occurs from like they understand like if someone were to call customer service two times in an in, in X amount of period, they, they, that might be that key indicator that tells you that person's about to cancel. So, looking at at, at that predictive outcome, but the example he used was a phone company, which just has like terabytes upon terabytes of data, like daily, hourly, everywhere, you know. And there's an insatiable appetite for that. So, when it comes to like, what do you? What's the basic requirement and need to structure and train an AI or ML model?
1: Um. So there's there's some amount of expertise that's involved and discussion with a customer to help understand what data fields are valuable. And so we try to kind of look at everything, all the data fields, and then we start to understand in the predictive model, which values are important. So that's where we start kicking out fields that aren't maybe introducing more to see if that prediction is more accurate. And is that where the output reports come in? Yes. Yep. Yep. So we'll do an output report. That's our appraisal, kind of like a Zillow's estimate or a Carfax that, you know, dis- describe some of the details and the attributes of that data set.
0: Okay. So now we, we begin to get data and, and once you go to data, data link in the show notes, because there's a lot of stuff in there, everything from intrinsic value of information. Man, there's a lot of accurate, that's IVI, business value of information, BVI performance value of information, PVI, and there's a lot of, you guys probably even use the Greek symbols and stuff that I, that I complain about never having used after econ class. That might've been part of the reason why I quit school. I was like, I don't want to do this shit anymore. (laughs) All right. So yeah, a lot to come with that. All right. So now you get through that process. How do you go about like, so is the, is you talk about this, the, maximizing the value of the data. And sometimes that involves brokering or, or being transactional with other companies that aren't yours. What is, how does that work?
1: Yeah. So, you know, we've got a strong advisory board and many of them are in a healthcare vertical and sector. So, you know, they've given us insights on where we can go to uh, approach consumers of the data. So we know that pharmaceutical companies are uh, are a big deal. They're important. And we're looking at many other opportunities as well. but. Yeah, with a focus on the healthcare sector, we've kind of focused our vision there and it's been very helpful.
0: Okay. So what about the people that are, if I'm a client at dataappraisal.ai, do I, I mean, I'm assuming I have some say in where that data could, can or could be sold?
1: Yeah, so absolutely. So, you know, we have a governance aspect of it also. So just because you have data and it can be sold and someone wants to buy it from you, as the seller of the data or the one that's um, going to support the collaboration of the data, you choose whether or not you you want to share that data with this particular entity. So how, how
0: much is, once again, overly broad, how much could my data be worth? I mean, is this, are these things, I, well, I realize that's totally broad, but mm-hmm. I have a big data set talking, you know, 100,000 lines, a million lines or whatever. Obviously, I would imagine that that comes down to the industry and whatever. I mean, are we talking about tens of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars, like hundreds of dollars, like?
1: Yeah. So we have customers that are selling their data for as little as four thousand dollars on a quarterly basis, and you know we're familiar with other data transactions are upwards of ten million dollars, right? Um, of payroll type information that mm. can be shared. So okay. it really kind of varies.
0: Yeah, I get into that. I mentioned that experiment with the job postings thing. And I had also looked into buying that info, which would have cost me a couple grand a month Okay, for for like the high. Yeah. And so like if I went and it would have actually been delivered in a structured format, which would have allowed us to go through way less hassle. I was spending way more money collecting it myself than I would have purchasing it from a specific place. But Right. Yeah.
1: I mean, so time is money, but look at the person that's selling the data. They're not just selling it to you. They're selling it to 10, 20, hundred other. Could be. Yeah. Yeah. And in that, that particular case
0: that was specific to hiring and I asked, I said, well, who uses it? It was actually more like government and like research type people that analyze job markets. And I don't know, they do a whole lot of stuff. It's, it's, it never ceases to amaze me the things that people use technology and data for like you know you heard stories about hedge funds using satellite maps and machine learning to see if more or less cars were in Walmart and like being able to predict I don't know man it's 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 pretty amazing what what people do with that stuff now let's let's take a second because I don't want to I don't want you to get out of here without talking about your experience with Launch KC what brought you to that? Like, how'd you even find out about it? What what did that process look like signing up and what
1: were the tryouts like? Yeah. So, you know, we were really excited when we heard about this program coming back. We were the first post pandemic uh, class or um, groups of people that got that award. So that was really exciting. So, you know, I'm a Kansas city and I've been here for over 35 years. So to be given an uh, award and a grant from a ne- uh, the economic development council of Kansas city, downtown Kansas city and launch KC, uh, you know, I'm extremely proud about that opportunity. And so, uh, and so, and so we applied through that process. Uh, we went through a, a pitch in an interview um, and successfully went to the next round and, I don't know, Matt, I think there was over 140 applicants and six or seven uh, companies got awarded the grant. So that was really exciting. And then, you know, as part of uh, accepting the award, I think we came by here, Startup Hustle, and you helped us with our pitches a bit. So that was an exciting opportunity as well. So we had a lot of fun doing all of that. And the best part of this whole thing is being able to help uh, grow our business, get some marketing out there, have the support of the community. So that we can help drive economic development here in Kansas City, the you know the city that I truly love.
0: Yeah, the so launch KC, and I'm not sure if you even know the, the history of it. So they used to give grants like the one you got. So those are fifty thousand dollar grants, and I think that's what you guys did, right? Yes. And then they pivoted at one point uh, a couple years ago. This was pre pandemic, and then even during it. Uh, they pivoted to, it's they're still doing the 50K amount, but they partnered, they had a corporate partner that would have also made a small investment in companies. So we, and Full Scale and Startup Hustle have been involved in that for years. Um, and so they, you know, at one point they did clean tech and they, I can, health tech was one of them. They did a number of different things and, and now are back to the grants. Side of things with, and so where are we involved? Well, that's part of like how we we like to support Kansas City too, is helping put these programs up and and promote them. And then one of the things that is that is fun and that's a new. So you were the first class of the elevator pitch people, but part of that is is when you go through an accelerator program. And congrats on making it because it is a lot of competition for that. And by the way, for those of you listening, there's something like this near you. These things go on all over the country. There's all kinds of accelerators and business economic development. And so where does the money come from? Money comes from government. It can also come from donors and people like that. What's the purpose of it? Because they want to start and spark new businesses, and it's economic development. But one of the things that comes with that is Demo Day. And Demo Day is stressful shit for a lot of people because they're going to put you on a stage In front of what there's probably 200 people there the mayor a bunch of other people investors supporters like who knows and they're like you have one minute to effectively tell everyone why you're awesome and and what you do and one thing that we noticed over the years is that is like i said that's a source of stress for a lot of the participants so having some expertise in the area that's part of where we've partnered with them more so startup hustle at this point was Yeah. So Roger and and several other grant recipients came to our office and we sat down and they got a deal with me for an hour now, which depending who you ask is either a joy or a tragedy in some regards, but say, you know, Hey, let's hear it. And, uh, what I find is that, I don't know, I thought we, all of the participants in that came in with one approach and, came out feeling better about it. I remember there was one, there was the the professor and I asked this lady, I said, well, tell me what you do. Start, give me your one minute pitch. And she got slightly into that. And I said, stop. I said, I didn't understand anything that you just said. I'm not smart enough. And cause she was talking way over my head. I don't even, you know, neuro linguistics and I don't even, you lost me right there. So you know, I think the key the key thing from that whole whole training session was get up there and just lead with the need, tell people like immediately what and get their attention and then they're then they're and then they're actually on the hook and they're gonna pay attention so you did great the other participants did great, and I thought that that was uh, it was it was fun to participate in that so um, did it has anything else matriculated from the pr- the press or the promo or the introductions or any of that? Has that led to anything else?
1: Yeah, so you know we've made all sorts of contacts. Um, so you know I want to elaborate on the Launch KC program a bit. So yeah. we got that fifty thousand dollar grant, but in addition to that, we also got free office space for a year. Yeah. So we're down at the PlexPod FlashCube Cube with all the other land, Launch KC um, award winners. We've been collaborating with them. Uh, We're working with the one right now and, you know, fingers crossed, we turn uh, that group into a customer. So we're making these connections and working closely with these people and all trying to help each other out because there's a mutual interest where we can help grow their business and then they can help us grow our business as well.
0: What's been the hardest part about that whole thing? It's everyone has a different answer to that. The
1: the most difficult part of what about just
0: all of it, like, before, well, and I don't want to throw you under the bus, but before we came in and recorded you like, well, this is the first time I've ever been on a podcast. Oh. <laughs> and, and sometimes I find that actually stuff like that is, is more stressful or difficult for people. than you'll look back at this in a few years and you'll be like,
1: yeah, done it before. Yeah.
0: Then so, they're done that.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I'm a pretty, you know, technical person and an introvert at heart, but I all, I also understand that it's important to get uncomfortable because when you get uncomfortable, that's where you can expand your comfort zone. And the bigger your comfort zone is the more that you can help kind of get back to society and other people that you're coaching and mentoring. Just kind of like what you've done Matt over time is you've done well for yourself and now you're helping other people. And that's what I would like to do going forward as well. So I'm really enjoying all the potential, um, uh, uh, The programming that Launch KC has been uh, uh, preparing, we are uh, going to have a Launch KC Day next week. Next Wednesday is the plan. If um, actually it won't be next week because it falls on a day that there's going to be the Super Bowl Chiefs parade, the Chiefs Super Bowl parade. So we're going to push this out to will have way. already
0: occurred by the time this comes out. Oh, okay. So yeah, there okay. you go.
1: All right, congratulations.
0: We hope, you made, we hope you made it, and yeah, we hope the Chiefs won too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I'm gonna be on a plane from Taiwan to Cebu City during the Super Bowl because mm-hmm. I planned really poorly this year. So people keep asking me if I'm going to the Super Bowl. I'm like, no, I'm not even gonna watch. the, Be able to watch the game? I, I don't know. Well, maybe I'm gonna try. Could probably to- stream it online. Uh, yeah, with airplane Wi-Fi. Who knows? Who knows? So, yeah, the, you know, I, I love these programs. The the you know, you mentioned Launch KC and all that stuff. I I think that. You know, so like when we did the elevator pitch thing, I mean, the thing that I found is just reps. Someone give you feedback. I think the the most valuable thing that you can do for businesses and entrepreneurs in an early stage is not be a yes person. Like sometimes, and and you know what, sometimes this doesn't always come out the way that come off the way that you intended, but sometimes you just got to tell people you're like, Hey, Like, well, like you mentioned the professor, she sent me a very uh, endearing thank you note after that and after the presentation and said, you know, thank you so much because I've been trying to unwind this. She's like, I'm a professor and I can teach to a whole class, but this isn't really my thing. And some of that was like forcing some reps in there. You mentioned the uncomfortable part. Yeah, I'm good. At, I, I've been making people uncomfortable for years, sure. so yeah. But but with it, but that's but that's a good thing. And and you know, I think that that's one. So here in Kansas City, we have this term called Midwest Nice. It isn't intended to be complimentary, in a lot of ways, because uh, people will tell you, "Oh yeah, that's great,"
1: and it's not always what people hear. Yeah. So so I think candid feedback is one of the best gifts that you can give yeah. anyone, and. And and my partner, Tam and I, we, we give that to each other. And I go in it with the mindset of, you know, sometimes you get by the pleasantries and you just get right to the point And it's no hard feelings because we're out there trying to solve a real business problem for people right. that, that want to monetize their data, bring in more money. That's what we're going to do. And no hard feelings at the end of the day. We're really good friends. We're partners. We're gonna grow this business. And so part of that is just the execution port, you know, portion of it. That's what we need to focus on.
0: I mean, that's that's a key ingredient. I think that you have well to if you're gonna give it, you have to be able to receive it as well. Which is I mean, here's the thing, no one wants to hear their babies ugly, but sometimes it's what you need to hear, you know, and I don't walk around calling actual babies ugly. Mm -hmm. But if people come and ask for for input or advice, I, I, sometimes I actually will disclaim it. I'll be like, okay, remember you asked, you know, and like, yeah. that's the thing. And that's, so I have a couple of rules that go with that. Well, one, uh, if well, I'd prefer that you don't end up upset with me because I tell you the truth. And second, I'm not going to sit here and argue with you about why you're right and I'm wrong. That's not the yeah. purpose of the feedback. Right. So I, I've run in, man, I've, God, I've been, so I, I've, I'm known amongst the people I know, like, I'll get, I'm the one that gets that call. Like they, they will start, Hey Matt, I'm calling. Cause I know you'll actually tell me, <laughs> oh my God, here we go again. But I, I think that that's really valuable. And sometimes the best advice you can get from another entrepreneur is don't proceed because, or do it knowing that you're likely going to run into these five or six obstacles. And I have people be like, man, I didn't even think about that stuff. And these are just, that's just, I I don't know, man, I'm turning into an old man. Maybe I'm like, but with that, there's, I don't know. I I think the main thing, like why we do this podcast is one, I enjoy these discussions. And two, I think that knowledge isn't meant to be kept. It's meant to be transferred. And there's no tangible way to analyze that data, Roger. Like how many people have listened to this podcast over five years and, you know, soon to be 5 million downloads. And thank you everyone for that. You know, some of that is like I don't know. There's a ton of people out there worldwide that had have been like, oh, and then they don't do it, and they don't fall down the money pit, or they don't do something stupid. We're here to try to help you not be stupid. Yeah, because we've been really stupid ourselves.
1: Yeah, Matt. We don't live long enough to make all these mistakes ourselves, so we True. gotta learn it from other people and go apply it. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing better than all, all, all the entrepreneurs and the mentors that we've experienced here in Kansas City that have helped us along this journey. Yeah, and that's and that's the key. So you gotta, you know,
0: there's there's a whole lot to be said around that. All right. So I like to end my episodes start a puzzle when I'm with having conversations with founders by doing what I call the Founders Freestyle. So I'll give everyone a chance to, to your closing remarks, Uh, the number one comment I get when recording, especially here in the studio, is wow, that went fast. And there's usually something, I don't know, you get to say whatever you want. What what would you like to say to everyone on the way out of today's episode?
1: So first of all, that did go fast, Matt. And then, (laughs) so most importantly, so as a person out there or as a business that is collecting data for your own purposes, consider using data appraisal to help value your data because right now that asset is just sitting there collecting dust, using it for your own purposes. But there are people out there that are interested in your data and they can use it for some very good things. So let's not hold that close to the vest. Just like Matt likes to share his lessons learned with other people, let's share our data to kind of help make the world a better place.
0: Yeah, I think there is a negative connotation that comes with data and privacy in some regards, because quite honestly, it has been abused by a lot of people in the past. And there's a lot of protections in there to change stuff like that. And, and if data isn't valuable, well, here's the thing. It's been used to shape elections. Frickin' valuable. And I think that if, you know, sorry, right. A lot of people watch Shark Tank and Mark Cuban is so well known. If you don't know your data, you don't know your business. That's true. It's true. There's a lot of things that you can do. If anything, just kind of analyze it yourself. There's a lot of tools out there that, you know, can, you know, can make, I'm talking like some of the simplistic stuff. Like I talk to people that don't have Google analytics on their website. I'm like, that's like, the no, that's the first thing. First thing. Right. So some of that, like, and, you know, and then when you get into more, th- that's the first step in progressing towards having valuable data that companies like data analytics can uh, data appraisal.ai can help you with. And once again, there's a link in the show notes. So, hey, wrap your arms around the data, people, because it can be useful. Roger, I'm going to catch up with you down the road. Okay.